0: today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick.
1: Do not be afraid, do not worry, or do not be anxious. Why do you suppose that God says that so many times through the Bible? Why? Because we're afraid. I mean, from time to time, the reality is fear will grip your heart. For some of you, you're in the midst of it right now. Life can have its share of anxiety, worry, and we can be afraid. And I don't care how tough you pretend to be on the outside, everybody is scared of something.
0: This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Isaiah. Fear not, do not be afraid, be not afraid. Or if you prefer the King James Version, be ye not afraid. All throughout the Bible, scripture tells us more times than we can count that we as believers are not to be fearful. Problem is, each and every one of us is afraid of something. In today's message, Pastor Gary will remind you that as a believer, you're actually commanded not to be afraid. In his study, you'll learn how fear can be extremely detrimental in your walk with the Lord, as well as your witness to others. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Isaiah, chapter 41, as he begins his message, Don't Be Afraid.
1: You'll notice with me that in the book of Isaiah, the tone and the tenor changes between chapter 39 and 40. The first 39 chapters of the book of Isaiah emphasize more about God's judgment and wrath. The last 27 chapters, chapters 40 to 66, uh, emphasize more about God's grace and kindness. For this reason, a lot of Bible scholars will tell you that the book of Isaiah is like a mini Bible. Because the book of Isaiah has 66 chapters. Your Bible has 66 books, and it's very similar in its delineation. First 39 chapters of Isaiah, more emphasis on God's wrath and judgment. The first 39 books of your Bible makes up the Old Testament, more of an emphasis on God's wrath and judgment. The last 27 chapters of Isaiah... Uh, very similar to the last 27 books of your Bible, which comprise your New Testament, which emphasizes God's grace and kindness. And we find ourselves now in this latter section of the book of Isaiah, here in chapter 41, which emphasizes a lot of God's grace and kindness. And one of the things that God says here in chapter 41, and we'll also see the theme carries over into chapter 43, is this tender emphasis from our Lord telling his people, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Everybody say that out loud. Do not be afraid. This is God's theme to his people here. This is, this is really a theme throughout the whole Bible for all of us. But I want to draw your attention to the, the many places here in this section of Isaiah where God just emphasizes this over and over again. So here in chapter 41, notice verse 10 in your Bibles, where God says through the prophet Isaiah, verse 10, So do not fear, underline that, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Jump a little further down, verse 13. Verse 13, for I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand, isn't that very tender, and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. The next verse, verse 14, do not be afraid, O worm Jacob. I love the way that he refers, yeah, he refers to this whole territory of Jacob like a worm because in comparison to God's magnificence, he's like, listen, you're just a worm, I got this. So he says there in verse 14, Do not be afraid, O worm Jacob, O little Israel, for I myself will help you, declares the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Now jump over to chapter 43. And chapter 43 begins the same way in verse 1. But now this is what the Lord says, He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. And a little further down, verse 5, first part of verse 5, Do not be afraid, for I am with you. So now I ask you, why do you suppose so many times in so few chapters here, God says to the Jewish people through Isaiah over and over again, do not be afraid. Why do you you suppose that God says this so many times in so few chapters to to the people, do not be afraid? Why do you suppose he says that? It's not a trick question, James Comey. I'm asking you. (laughs) Why do you think that he's saying to them over and over again, do not be afraid? Why? Because they're afraid. They must be afraid or he wouldn't be saying it over and over again. Now, same kind of question for us. Why do you think that over 300 times Throughout the whole Bible, God tells us over and over again, more than 300 times, some form of, do not be afraid, do not worry, or do not be anxious. Why do you suppose that God says that so many times through the Bible? Why? Because we're afraid. I mean, from time to time, the reality is fear will grip your heart. For some of you, you're in the midst of it right now. Life can have its share of anxiety, worry, and we can be afraid. And I don't care how tough you pretend to be on the outside, everybody is scared of something. All right? I don't know if you would admit it, but everybody is. There's something that we're afraid of. Now, interestingly, there's been many surveys over the years, surveying Americans, what are the kind of things that you're afraid of, identifying certain phobias. And um, so I came across this study done by Chapman University in Orange, California, and it was... um, Uh, republished by the Washington Post a few years ago, and they identified some of the top, the top 12 fears of American people just using a sampling of Americans, and so I'm going to share from this survey the top seven of these 12, starting with, here's the first one, the fear of flying, the fear of flying. 14.5% of people have a fear of flying. All right, now we're going to have this as like a little support group. So how many of you would be honest enough to admit, yeah, I, I don't like flying. I have a fear of flying. All right, be, don't be ashamed. Come on. Nobody's going to shame you. It, fear of flying. I mean, that's a legitimate That You just kind of went. I hope this lands safely. Fear of flying. Uh, number six on the list was the f- claustrophobia. 18% of people say they have claustrophobia, which shocked me. I didn't know so many people were afraid of Santa Claus. I didn't, wasn't aware of that. Uh, but how many of you would say, yeah, small confined places, I don't like. All right. So many of you have a little claustrophobia. Uh, number five on the list was the fear of blood or needles. Now, if you're, if you're health, well, there's a the guy in the, in the top go, yeah, that's me. How, how many others? Fear of blood and needles. Okay. If you're a healthcare professional you're, you're, and you have this fear, you're probably in the wrong profession. Uh, number four on the list is the fear of drowning. The fear of drowning. Now, I suppose... Well, there's some... Ha- I didn't even ask yet, but some of you are quick to... Yes, that, that is me. I suppose if you don't know how to swim, you even have a greater fear of drowning, so that could be a legitimate fear. Number three on the list is the fear of bugs, snakes, and other animals. Yep. How many? All right. Uh, several years ago, before we built our building here on our property, we used the property for our church picnics. And there was one summer that I was out here with a bunch of people helping to get the grounds prepared for our, for our church picnic, and I came across two black snakes, were together in the grass. Now, you know, black snakes are harmless, they're not poisonous, they're good in your barns because they kill mice and all this good stuff, but there's something that rose up within me, <laughs> and I had a shovel in my hand, and I just, I went, I mean, if you ever watch Forensic Files, it's what you call overkill. All right. And so I was just chopping that thing into, and some other guys like, what are you doing? Nothing, nothing. Everything's fine. Fear of snakes. Number two on the list, the fear of heights. How many of you don't like getting up on ladders? Fear of heights. Okay. I don't particularly like heights either. Um, Fear of heights. And then the number one fear, according to this survey, the fear of public speaking. Yeah. Now you know why I'm a mess so now you look at different surveys and different surveys will say different things but but this one from chapman university i thought was uh, a pretty indicative of a lot of fears that americans have in general by the way on the list i didn't show you you know all 12 but number 11 on the list fear of clowns (laughs) that would have been like number two for me Now, in our story here in chapter 41 of Isaiah, if you go back to chapter 41 where we started, it seems that the reason for their fears has to do with an imminent threat of war from foreign nations, because God says to them through the prophet Isaiah, if you look here again, chapter 41, verse 11, God kind of identifies why they're afraid. In verse 11, he says, all who rage against you will surely be ashamed and disgraced, Those who oppose you will be as nothing and perish. Though you search for your enemies, you will not find them. Those who wage war against you will be as nothing at all. For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, Do not fear, I will help you. So we see here that in the context of our story, their fear is the threat of war from neighboring nations. And God is basically saying to them, I got this. It's okay. Don't be afraid don't worry about their threat. I'm God, you're not, I got this. And one of the things that, that I love is that no matter what our fear, this passage, and really the whole Bible for that matter, reminds us of something very important, and that is that God loves to bring rest to His people. God loves to bring emotional rest to His people. God Delights in replacing your fears with his peace. How many of you could use a little bit more of God's peace and less of your own fears in your life? Amen? And God delights as our Father in heaven to replace our fears with his peace. Now, along this subject, I want to first say that not all fears are bad, not all fears are wrong. There are some exceptions to the kind of fears that we're talking about today. One of those exceptions is that, frankly, some fears are good. Um, For example, the Bible talks about how all of us should have a healthy fear of God. That's a good fear. That's not a bad fear. It's not the kind of fear that makes us want to run from God. It's a kind of fear that the Bible describes as something of supreme reverence and awesome respect for the supreme judge of the universe. And, and this is a healthy thing. This is the kind of thing that we should have in worship and reverence of a holy God. We should be in fear of the living God. Not scared of him, but this awesome reverence of his holiness. Psalm 111 verse 10 says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So that's a, that's a good thing that we become, become wiser to the degree that we really fear the Lord and have an awesome reverence of who he is. So that's a good kind of a fear. Another good kind of a fear is the kind of fear that God innately puts within us for our protection. There are some things we should be afraid of in a good way. You know, you, you, should, you should be afraid of running across a busy highway. That's not a smart thing. So you should be, well, I, I'm afraid I'm going to get run over by a car. Yes, so don't do that. You should be afraid to swim with sharks. It's not a wise thing to do for your protection. You you have this instinctive thing now. I'm kind of afraid to play with rattlesnakes. I'm kind of afraid to dance with grizzly bears. Good. You should be. Those are the things that God puts in our hearts, which by the way is the reason why we as parents have to look out for our young children because they're not at an age yet where that good fear has matured. And so they they have no inhibitions and, and that's why we have to warn them, hey, and we don't, we don't say be afraid of, but we, you know, don't get in cars with strangers, you know, but we're teaching them. There's a good fear because for your own safety and protection, you shouldn't get in cars with strangers. You know, none of us should be, you know, in the, at 3 a.m. in the morning uh, down some dark alley of some major city. We should be afraid of that kind of thing because for our protection, it's not a wise thing to do. So not all fear is bad. There's the fear of the Lord, and then there's good fear that God gives us for our own protection. And then I need to also say this in passing because I don't want to lump everybody into one category. It's important to also realize that some fears are chemical, that scientists and uh, the uh, medical professionals have actually discovered a couple of almond-sized uh, bundle of nerve fibers in the center of your brain called the amygdala that if disrupted, and sometimes it gets disrupted for unknown reasons, can create anxiety without any external uh, contributing factors. And so there are some people that the the amygdala part of their brain is just, it's misfiring, and they might need medication for that. There are legitimate anxiety disorders. It's, it's a medical thing. So that aside, though, the majority of us, the majority of us, the kind of fear that we're talking about today, the kind that God wants to address in our lives, are these impulsive reactions to life's circumstances that are often simply a reflection that we don't trust God. That's the kind of fear that God wants to address in our lives. Fear is an emotional response to something that is often unknown, or sometimes even unrealistic. Sometimes it's not even real, but often it's imagined. And it can range, this kind of fear in our lives can have an effect on our lives, and it can range anywhere from something that's a distraction in our daily living to downright debilitating. And, and, and in fact, people have come up with acronyms for fear to remind us that sometimes it's not even, you know, realistic. Sometimes it's just imagine it's the worst of what could happen. And so they've made an acronym out of fear that it's really false events appear real, that there are some false events that appear real, and so therefore we start to become anxious and worried and, and, and afraid. Uh, by the way, I've got a new acronym for us by the end of our Bible study, but this is a common acronym. Some change the E for evidence, false evidence that appear real, whatever you might, uh, however you, want, you might want to define the acronym. That's often what fear is. And news bulletin for Christians, fear is sin. Fear is sin. And the reason is because many times in the Bible, and we've read one of them right here in Isaiah 41 verse 10, God gives us a command, do not fear. Do not be afraid. And whenever God gives a command and we don't do what God says, It's sin. So when God says over and over in the Bible, do not be afraid, and then he often accompanies it with a promise, because I'm with you and I'll help you, but nevertheless, his command is, do not be afraid, and we are still afraid, what it means is we're disobeying God, and so we're, we're sinning. Now God will never tell us to do something or to not do something without also giving us the strength, the ability, the grace, or the power to comply. God never says, do something or don't do something And he knows that it's impossible for us. Okay, that would be a a contradiction of his character. So every time God commands us something, and here's one of the things he commands us, do not be afraid, implied within the command means he's going to give us the grace, the strength, the ability, or power to comply. So then that means it becomes my choice. I have the ability with God's strength, with God's power, with God's grace, to trust him, but oftentimes when fearful things come along, I just choose not to, and thus it's disobedience. So we have to be aware of this as, as Christians. Uh, David had his share of fear. On one occasion, you know, one of the things that tormented him for about ten years was when King Saul of Israel, who was jealous of David because David was becoming a noticed warrior in Israel, King Saul tried to kill David on many occasions. And so for about ten years of David's life, he ran. And he hid from Saul because he was afraid. I mean, if somebody has a hit on your life, you're, you're going to naturally be afraid. And one of the occasions where David was afraid, he writes about it in Psalm chapter 56. Now, here's the background on chapter 56. It is believed that David wrote Psalm 56 and also Psalm 34 from the cave of Adulam. Because he's hiding in a cave. He's afraid. Saul's coming to kill him. And in Psalm 56, verse 3, David pens this. Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. And he just writes that as a prayer over and over again. And David had reason to be afraid, but he was no wimp either. I mean, this was the guy who, even before he became king, remember David in his youth, the Bible says, killed a lion and a bear with his own hands. And remember when he was a youth, he slew Goliath... The over nine foot giant of the Philistines. And then after he slew Goliath with a single stone, of course, the Lord gave him the ability, the strength and the power to do it. And, and the giant falls down. David goes, gets Goliath's own sword and cuts off Goliath's head and holds Goliath's head like a trophy. So that's this guy. So no wimp, but this guy is now hiding in a cave afraid. Because even the best of warriors can sometimes be afraid. And David's was not some imaginary thing that he was afraid of, which is often what happens to us. We begin to imagine something that isn't even necessarily real or haven't even manifested itself, but we're afraid about it. David's fear was reality. There was someone who was trying to kill him, said so, was marching with his army to try to find this guy. He was in imminent danger. He knew it and he was afraid. And yet he turned his fears over to God. It was a real legitimate thing, but he said, I'm not going to be afraid. Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. He goes on to write in the next verse, Psalm 56, 4, in God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I will not be afraid. What can mortal man do to me? It's like, in the big scheme of things, God, I'm going to trust you. You're my protector. You're my provider. At the end of the day, what can mortal man do to me? I mean, what's the worst thing that could happen? I die and I go to be with you. I mean, in the big scheme of things... What can mortal man really do to me? And so David gives his fear to God. This mighty, valiant warrior who was a man's man, even at times had fear himself. And he says, but whenever I'm afraid, I'm going to trust in you. Zach Williams, who's a a Christian artist, recently wrote a song called Fear is a Liar. And in the song, he personified fear... Like it's Satan, because the reality is that Satan is the author of fear, not God. Everybody knows that, right? I mean, First John four eighteen tells us that God does not give us the spirit of fear, but of, I'm oh, sorry, um, that perfect love drives out fear, and God is perfect love, and so he is the antithesis of fear. Satan is the author of it, not God. And then 2 Timothy 1.7, I got ahead of myself, but 2 Timothy 1, seven. "...for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind." So God wants to deliver us from fear. Satan wants to capitalize on it. And whenever we give way to fear, we give access to Satan in our lives. And whenever we give way to faith, we give God greater access in our lives. And it becomes a choice for us. Are we going to operate in faith, or are we going to operate in fear?" So Zach Williams wrote this song about fear is a liar, about how Satan is really the personification of fear. And so let me read some of the lyrics. When he told you, that is fear, when fear told you, Satan, that you're not good enough, when he told you you're not right, when he told you you're not strong enough to put up a good fight, when he told you you're not worthy, when he told you you're not loved, when he told you you're not beautiful, that you'll never be enough, fear, he is a liar. He will take your breath stop you in your steps fear he is a liar he will rob your rest steal your happiness
0: the old testament book of isaiah is a powerful text filled with prophecy history and the grandeur of your creator God uses Isaiah to teach the Israelites about who he is and what he expects from those who call him Lord. He also warns them against coming consequences of their actions, giving them the opportunity to repent and come back to him. Isaiah also tells of a coming salvation, the child who would one day die for the sins of every person on earth, the Son of God, Jesus There's much more to learn from Isaiah. So we hope you'll join us again here on Cornerstone Connection. If you missed any part of today's teaching from Pastor Gary, you can listen again online at cornerstoneconnection.cc. We have a mobile app as well, allowing you to take these messages with you on the go. Find a link to download at our website or search for the Cornerstone Chapel in your app store. Do you live in the Leesburg area? If so, we want to meet you. You're invited to join us this weekend at Cornerstone Chapel for a time of worship, fellowship, and studying the Bible with Pastor Gary. Our services start at 8.30, 10, and 11.45 a.m. each Sunday. And child care is available. You'll find all the information you need about the church on our website. Again, that's cornerstoneconnection.cc. That's all we have for today. Thanks for tuning in to Cornerstone Connection.